AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. USDA report day. We've got the uneventful details of today's balance sheet update from USDA, but we've got a long list of items today's guest analyst wants to talk about, including this morning's producer price index and what it might mean for next week's Fed meeting. Live from the aftermath of government math via Farm <laughs> Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, it is a conversation with John Payne from Hedgepoint Global Markets. I, handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, here's the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. You know, we have been doing this for, I think we can qualify it as a long time now. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if I've heard in the aftermath of USDA math before. <laughs> you like that one? I do. I mean, it, it seems almost obvious. I'm surprised I haven't heard it by now. If there's one thing you can hang your hat on, Chip, it's government math. Bet your bottom dollar. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh-huh. Well, well done. All right. Welcome. I'm Chip. That's Davis. Hello. Yeah. USDA report day. Uh, not a lot of details to get to, but we do have one that we'll talk about. They, it was a much expected change in the corn export estimate. We'll get the details of that coming up in a little bit. And when we get John on here in the next segment, we'll find out if, okay, is this a one-month move? Do we need to see some additional adjustments uh, coming forward? And where's the demand going? Where's that demand going? We'll we'll talk with John about that coming up in the next segment. All right, buddy. You ready to get to it? Let's get to the news. Well, Chip, in the USDA's supply and demand report, wheat carryover for the 22-23 marketing year was unchanged from last month at 571 million bushels. That was 5 million bushels below the average pre-report trade estimate and down 98 million bushels from last year. March soft red winter wheat opened higher and at psychological resistance at 750 before prices fell back to close near session lows. Chart watchers put resistance at yesterday's high of 756 and one quarter with support at Tuesday's low of 723 and one half traders next week. But they'll continue to focus on the charts with some price direction likely to be taken from trade in the U.S. dollar. March HRW wheat futures were 11 and three quarter cents lower at 833. March SRW wheat dropped 12 cents to 734 and a quarter. March spring wheat closed at 901 and one half down eight cents on the day. Yeah, we talk about momentum in the markets quite often, right? Um, we do. And this this wheat market has uh, all kinds of momentum right now, and it's in the wrong direction. It is to the downside. Uh, now, I say that it's in the wrong direction, of course, because, you know, if it, higher prices feel better. I get that. Um, but it is ch- it has decided that it is going to go out and chase some demand. We've got a pullback in the dollar. It was in the 113, 114 range. It's pulled back into this 104. I should take a look at it right now, make sure that that's where it's at. Yeah, 104.50 to 105 is where we're trading on the the dollar index for most of today. Um, 
so the combination of the uh, of the softening U.S. dollar index, the the lower price for wheat, the market has decided that it's going to go out and find demand. If it if there is demand to be found, it, it's going after it. Hmm. On the week, March SRW wheat down twenty six and three quarter cents. March HRW down. 37 and three quarter cents and March spring wheat down 19 and three quarter cents. Well, chip corn carryover for the current marketing year was estimated at 1.257 million bushels. That's up 75 million bushels from last month and 20 million bushels above the average pre-report trade estimate. All of the increase was the result of a 75 million bushel cut to this year's corn exports. March corn opened steady and on session lows and rallied to test resistance at 650 before falling back to post a low range close. Traders next week will track export demand. Ukraine grain shipments and Argentina's weather will also provide some direction for prices. March corn futures were a penny and a half higher but 644. May corn up a penny, 645 and one quarter. July corn futures closed at 640 and three quarters. Steady on the day. Yeah, corn export estimate down. 75 million to 2.075 billion bushels. It sounds like a lot, right? It's still a quote unquote big number. But when you look at the corn export tally from 2020, 2.747 billion bushels. And then a year ago, 2.471 billion bushels. And here we are at 2.075. So, Hold prices high enough for a long enough period of time and something's going to give. On the week, March corn off two and a quarter cents and July corn down three and a half. Well, USDA made no changes to the supply or demand side of the balance sheet for soybeans. Estimated carryover at 220 million bushels is 18 million bushels below the average pre-report trade guess. The balance sheet for soybean oil showed a drop of 200 million pounds of oil for use in biofuel production. That's fairly insignificant, but after the negative reaction bean oil traders had to the proposed blending mandates for bio-based diesel, that was enough to send bean oil prices solidly lower. That pulled bean prices to a slightly lower close, while meal prices again scored new contract highs. January bean futures topped yesterday's high by a half cent then fell back to a mid-range close on profit-taking. January beans, two and a half cents lower, 14.83 and three quarters. March beans down two cents, 14.88 and one quarter. July soybeans closed at 14.96 and one quarter, down two and a half cents, Chip. Yeah, and the spreading continues. January bean oil today was 130 points lower. January soybean meal was $5.20 higher. So a lot of activity on the spread side of things. This meal... Excuse me, the oil market is looking for a bid at this point. Uh, on the week, we had January soybeans up 45 and a quarter, July soybeans up 37 and three quarters, January bean oil down 521 points, and hmm. January meal up $47.50 wow. a ton. Wow. A huge move. Well, USDA added 500,000 bales to estimated cotton carryover, pulling carryover up to 3.5 million bales. That's nearly 400,000 bales above trade expectations. March cotton was 25 points higher at 80.90 chip. Yeah, on the week, March cotton down 225 points. February cattle clawed back most of the early week losses with a solid rally today. 
Short covering gets, gets much of the credit for the rally, although choice graded boxed beef prices did trade higher this morning. February cattle were a buck 62 and a half higher, 155.55. April fats up a buck 30, 159.35. And Jan feeders up 45 cents, 183.92 and a half. And on the snout side, February lean hogs ended the week $7.90 below Monday's high. <laughs> aggressive, yeah, aggressive profit taking after last week's rally gets the credit for this week's sharp losses. February hogs were 70 cents lower today at 84 bucks even. April hogs up 25 cents to $91 chip. All right. February live cattle on the week, like you said, got back most of the early week losses. Closed just 32 and a half cents lower on the week. January feeder cattle up a buck 47 and a half. And February lean hog futures this week fell $6.42 and a half cents. The big mover on the week was, was meal, 11.2% increase in values. The big decliner on the week, soybean oil down 8%, 7.99%. So once again, be on the right side of that product spread. Oh, Felt really good this week. John Payne coming up next right here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Chip, every time this song starts, I don't know what song this is. I'm not familiar. I I think it's uh, Chasing That Neon Rainbow. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Can you see? Am I way off on that? No, I can hear it. I can hear it. Huh. Now, I was just, I, I had to go back to my meal chart and check that one more yep. time. Yep. That's why I might be just a bit preoccupied and maybe didn't even really hear the bump. Uh, yeah. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. I got Because last week, last Friday, January soybean meal closed at 424.10 mm-hmm. and today closed at 471.60. Wow. Man, $47.50 is quite yeah. a rally in one it's week. It's it's basically straight up in that market. All right. Davis, I, yeah. now I'm back. Now now you've got my full attention. Okay, what? well, let me just let me just add anytime I feel like I'm really making progress on playing the guitar, I just I go, I go to Glenn Campbell and I feel like oh. I I never even learned how to play the guitar. I've been yeah. really into Glenn Campbell lately. No. That guy can play. No oh, doubt. Dude. Yeah. No doubt.
All right. All right. John Payne, Hedgepoint Global <laughs> Markets, is our guest analyst today. John, welcome back to AgriTalk, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. That's the best show I do. Oh, awesome. Love hearing that. I mean, Absolutely. We, can, uh, we can get into the details because the list of, of uh, things that you want to talk about today, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that you've got everything on that list, but the more I looked at it, the more I realized, wow, these things are absolutely drivers of price action in these markets over the next, uh, you know, over the next few weeks. This really good stuff. Stuff. But let's start with USDA report today: seventy-five million bushel cut to the corn export estimate. That translated straight to a 75 million bushel increase in uh in corn carryover really it, it was the only change f- between the uh, in, on the balance sheets for corn wheat and soybeans did the change make sense to you i think so i think the market has seen the the export numbers that have come out i mean really since the the marketing year started and we have seen very little inspiration for U.S. demand outside of like one or two weeks. And a lot of that was, uh, you know, purchases by Mexico that was uh, announced. So from the USDA reports perspective, it's been a fade, you know, Wednesday into the Thursday morning. Um, But we knew that. And I think the USDA, we thought maybe we'd do it in the last report. And so they did it in this one. In a way, it's kind of like (laughs) the analogy I would say earlier. It's like, I know I'm getting a bad grade in school. It exists already. I just got to tell my parents. You know, and, and, uh, you know, just telling my parents is really more the, the stressor, not, not, and I think that's where we are. Like we know yeah. us exports are poor, you know, you can see the shipping pace. Um, uh, but I will say this week is the tightest close we've had between us and Brazilian offers going back to, I'm sitting in front of a computer so I can tell you exactly. I think it was basically the, uh, the, the August time period. So, okay. you know, since the Mississippi river closed and we, you know, that story is kind of, I'm going to say been forgotten, but um, it's gotten put on the back burner a little bit uh, as, yeah. as you know, folks are still struggling to get quantity down the river. Barges can make it, but they can't load their complete amounts. So I think that's that's prevented U.S. supply from hitting the markets. I think the U.S. end users within the country are very thankful for that at this point. Um, you know, and I expect to see some export business come back to our shores. Countries that you want to watch on corn would be Japan and mm-hmm. and Korea, they announced their purchases, and we've seen them pretty steady here at around three hundred and thirty dollars a metric ton, which is you know upwards of seven fifty when you include freight prices. So all in all, I think you know prices in the mid to low sixes is supported. I don't I don't expect to see okay. some huge vol run here unless we get a massive Brazilian crop because then Brazil can then continue to take our market share into the next year. Okay, and that's a concern from U.S. perspective. Yeah. Okay, well. It- I, I think that might be part of the answer to the question that I'm about to ask next. Uh, 2020-21 corn exports, 2.747 billion bushels. 2021-22, 2.471 billion bushels. Estimated now at 2.075 billion bushels. Where has that demand gone? That's a good question. Certainly not the Ukraine. You know, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, Brazil is is going to take market share. You know, if you if you want to compare anybody, so the U.S. was a big player in the U.S. KC wheat markets as far as exporting supply. We fed a lot of North Africa for years up until about the early 
2010, 2011, 2012, uh, they had revolution and started to buy a lot of black seaweed. We're seeing a little bit of that, not to the same degree, but a little bit of that of these Korean, uh, out of these Asian countries, Taiwan, big U.S. Part, trade partner. They should be buying U.S. corn. They didn't this week. They bought Brazilian. Japan should be buying U.S. corn. They didn't this week. They bought Brazilian. And the story for the South Koreans over the last six weeks has been a steady pr price, $330 a metric ton. So you ag majors divide that by 40 and you'll get your bushel per acre, uh, yep. bushel price. Um but that price has been steady. What we've just been seeing, I think, is the U.S. shedding that that price premium. And I think it's we've done enough of that at this point. So it'd be nice to see some confirmation in the next couple of weeks that the U.S. does have some demand. But there are some bullish seasonals that kick in in the very early part of September. And we have the Brazilians, Brazilian uh, corn crop that isn't really even in the ground yet. You know, their early corn is. But the big crop yeah. that they're feeding this, you know, I don't say taking our market share. Right now they have... They're getting business. But I think over the long run here, I think U.S. corn prices are somewhat steady. If you want to get bearish, I think the back end is really where you look like September corn. I could see down to 550. But other than that, I think you need to start seeing U.S. production before I would be getting too overly bearish on the back either. OK. All right. Excellent. Um, is this a one off, do you think? Or is there more adjustment to come on this corn export estimate? I think there could be more to come. Okay. I think if we get a little cheaper here, though, you're going to see the feed numbers go up. And that's where, okay. you know, yep. I think they'll come up anyway. And all in all, um, I would say the USDA, and I know this is fun for us to talk about. I think the USDA has lost its punch a little bit. I think that, that it, they certainly matter. But amongst people who understand the global trade, and I don't mean to say I'm some smart guy, but like we know Argentina's crops poor. I have, we have a firm in Argentina and guys on the ground there that say, hey, this crop is awful. They're not going to plant corn. In fact, it's so bad, they might even plant more beans. These guys are just going to abandon their corn crop altogether and go beans. But, but the USDA didn't adjust corn, uh, 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 Argentina at all today. So I think you take it with a grain of salt, move on, start, you know, watch what the biggest players in the world are doing. That's a better trigger for me. And I'm not knocking the USDA. They do a, a fine job of accounting, but you're talking about 100 million bushels here. Are we right. really going to move 50 cents on that? I hope right. not. Right, exactly. Yeah, here we are. Uh, USDA left the production estimate on Argentine corn at 55 million tons. Yeah, that could be – I heard 35 million. Yeah. I, yeah. That, that, could, that's, that could easily be 15 million too high. Absolutely. It, 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 is, it is too high. I don't – I don't, there's a lot of uncertain events that I can't be, speak to certainty in corn in Argentina. I can speak to it just because I hear it every morning. These guys are like, yeah. they've been saying it for weeks. It's like, it's so bad. The early farm corn planting there, they have a longer season. So for us up in Iowa, they kind of have similar, they have similar um, uh, weather climate, but it's mm -hmm. a longer season. So they can plant like their corn from, you know, where we need, we have a kind of a tighter window to plant. They can plant longer. And a lot of times they'll say, all right, we're done early season shot we're going to just switch over and go beans now and, and abandon yeah. the corn and that's what we're hearing yeah. so wow you know, like i said yeah and and on the bean side of things they they left the usda left the argentine bean crop estimate yeah uh unchanged as well at 49.5 yeah. million tons it, it just seems silly yeah it's early there it's early in brazil for corn and it's early in argentina for soybeans in the opposite yeah. for Brazilians and the other. I will right. say this on beans. Uh, 
the meal you price you mentioned the meal price earlier. Yeah. Something either has happened in China that's caught the market's attention and it correlated exactly with the RFS announcement a week ago, or we're seeing a massive shift in the in the in the crush. Yeah. Because what we've seen as bean oil has fallen from 75 down to 60, meal has gone from 405 up to 460. 470. On 470 on really other than this Argentina news or Brazil, but it just doesn't seem to me that that would be it. So I wouldn't panic here. I'm I'm speaking as someone who might be short a little meal. Uh, I'm not going (laughs) to panic. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I I mean, it, it almost feels like the bean complex has once again decided, listen, wait, no, soybean meal is the leader. Yeah. It's not soybean yeah. oil. Meal needs to be in the, in the lead of anything. Um, man, oh, man, it, it's just a, a massive shift over the over the last two weeks in, in what's going on there. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about that, um, the proposed renewable volume obligations for the bio-based diesel. There may have been a bit of an a shift in the soybean oil demand based on that in today's reports. We'll cover it next. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. Turkish President Erdogan said he will speak to Russia's Vladimir Putin on Sunday and to Ukraine's Volodymyr Zelensky in order to strengthen the Black Sea grain deal. France's Ag Ministry says 97% of the country's wheat crop is rated good to excellent as of December 5. The International Monetary Fund director said, while China's reopening from its strict zero-COVID policy will be positive, indicators show more downgrades to world growth are likely. The U.S. average price for regular unleaded gasoline declined to $3.31 per gallon, according to AAA. That's down about 35% from its peak. China's factory gate prices contracted for a second month in November as the producer price index fell 1.3% annually. China's most active live hog futures contract ended the week down more than 9%. News of note is taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more at tryprofarmer.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. That right there is another Glenn Campbell fan. Guitars and Cadillacs. One Mr. Dwight Yoakam. (laughs) 
I know it's not guitars and guitars, but no. 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 All right. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. We are in the yes. middle of a conversation with today's guest analyst, John Payne from Hedgepoint Global Markets. Davis, before we get huh? back to John, go ahead yeah. and recap where the markets closed. Chip March HRW wheat futures were eleven and three quarter cents lower, eight thirty three. March soft red wheat drops twelve cents, seven thirty four and one quarter. March corn futures were a penny and a half higher, six forty four. July corn futures closed at six forty and three quarters, unchanged from yesterday. January soybean futures two and a half cents lower, fourteen eighty three and three quarters. July soybeans closed at 14.96 and one quarter, down two and a half on the day. March cotton was 25 points higher, 80.90. On your livestock side, February live cattle $1.62 and one half higher, 155.55. January feeders up 45 cents, 183.92 and one half. And February lean hogs 70 cents lower to close at 84 bucks on the snout. That's your quick market recap. Back to you, Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. John Payne is our guest today. John is with Hedgepoint Global Markets. John, uh, the bean oil market, I mean, the sell-off in bean oil was as much spread-related as, as anything else, but the proposed renewable volume obligations for the bio-based diesel were clearly, clearly disappointing to the market. Is it really that much of a hit to renewable diesel, though, going forward? I think, I think at this point, the, the uncertainty around what the supply is going to look like still exists. So with that said, it's like, you know, can, can we really predict that price needs to be at a certain point? But I think that those who are building soy plants or biodiesel plants might have a have to rethink things a little bit. And I think the market needs to maybe reprice itself for that to happen. Um, you know, on the edible oil stage, because biodiesel has really taken two properties over the last, I don't know, since the Green New Deal. And I, don't, I know that's not what... Yeah. Energy, a lot of that was assumed to have been involved in biodiesel. So... We thought, okay, we're going to need all this biodiesel. And then they come out with the actual RFS numbers and they're including other things that really weren't assumed. So I think at the same, you know, on one hand, it's like these things exist. We're going to need, it's it's very nice for the bean crushers. Do bean crush margins need to be at $3 to get this ramped up with these numbers? No. Now, if meal's going to be at 500, bean crush margins will be high and we'll be producing anyway. But at this point, we're still at $2. So Bean oil, in my opinion, and I mean, this is a falling knife market at this point. You just got to kind of look for the U.S. to try to get some export business back. Um, and in that case, you go to the, you know, the global matrix. And we're still, you know, looking at soybean oil into Argentina is 52 cents. So FOB prices there are 52. Maybe we're a little higher in Europe. But a lot of, a lot of that is just because of the energy crisis there. So. Um, I think mid fifties is where bean oil can trade, which still puts margins in very well in the green for, for soybean crushers. And then of course the export markets, which we all yeah. are, you know, bracing to kind of see what China does here as they reopen. So that's, yep. that's the story in bean oil. Um, okay. You look at, at, at just real quick on canola, which yeah. is the other side of it. You have the edible oil side, canola and palm oil are low. They're cheap. They're much cheaper than they were a year ago. So, you know, they're more in like the forties and fifties as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's no question that the refiners 
do it, price matters to the refiners. And when you get north of 65 cents, as I understand it, on, on soybean oil, as I understand it, eh, they're not real keen on it. It's one of the reasons that they are investing in the crush plants because the, the bean oil market can be at 65 cents. But if you're working with a $3 crush, your bean oil cost in that is probably somewhere in the, you know, that mid to low 50s if you're north of, of 65 right. cents. So they'll work with that. But the the setback in bean oil price that we're that we've got now with the crush margin still at, at two dollars a bushel mm-hmm. the, the refiners that are making an investment in in crush facilities are looking at this and saying you know what we're starting to figure this out and it feels pretty good how this yeah. is all coming together so to me yeah. what's happened over the last couple of weeks is only more uh incentive to keep pushing forward with the renewable diesel plants it oh i think so i think it's yeah. very very i think it, and it's good for soybean producers you know bean oil yeah. keep in mind here bean oil traded with a three handle and two handle in 2019 like we're talking like 25 yep. cent bean oil like this is not a, a market that's even used to trading in the 50s so it's still expensive i think you're still even going to have it pencil into the 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 energy equation you know i mean it doesn't yeah. need to trade at 65 if Brazil, so there's two things that can happen to really kind of create the need to shut the, the crush off. Uh, and that would be just a tremendous amount of supply coming online, which yeah. certainly could happen. But we're, you know, 18 months from that, or not 18, nine months away from that in, uh, at least, in yeah. the United States, at least. And then we really need a second Brazilian soy crop to come online. So like this crop has to come in and then next year's crop, because you're going to assume here, if China's running at what they can potentially run at, you're going to need those crops. Now, beyond that, we start to get into kind of some banana math. And it's like, well, how quickly can Brazil grow? How quickly can the U.S. shift? And it's like, well, right. you know, who knows what the world's going to look like? But at this right. point, I would say bean oil is still expensive. I think mid-50s is, is a suitable price for me. Um and I know a lot of folks probably trapped up long there, but I would be I would be careful here. I think the one reason why I'm wrong, and I'm again I say this on every show I'm on, I'm wrong a lot. I'm wrong. Like <laughs> if, if I'm I wake up every morning and have to make assumptions, and a lot of times I'm wrong. And I think the bean meal one for me is like, wow, like how is bean meal? Like we're gonna have all this excess bean meal around, and now all yeah. of a sudden, maybe we don't. Maybe China's. I mean, watch the Dalian markets. You know, the, the overnight hogs. If you have access to a computer every morning. Get in the use if you like to trade hogs. Look at the Dalian markets from the overnights. They've broken really hard here. And I think a lot of it is just due to the fact that we get optimistic on China and then reality hits. And, yep. you know, I mean, I'm talking about real economic activity. I'm not talking yeah. about innuendo of, hey, we want COVID to be over. It's going to be over. It's like, all right, well, that's fun. <laughs> but you still have to deal with the people that are sick and, you know, people that are working. And it's a real thing. I mean, anybody out there who, who's had well, it, you know. And. So- it, it, you know, the other thing when it comes to the COVID policies there in China, if all of a sudden Xi Jinping says, OK, you know what? It's over. Yeah. Go ahead. Get back to normal. People, I, I think there's a belief that, OK, the unrest goes away and everybody just goes back to their business. I, I'm picking up now from some China watchers that if he just completely lifts restrictions, there's going to be people that are going to say, what did you just do to us for the last three years? 
Yeah. And that the yeah. protests could intensify if if that happened. So long ways, long ways from settling that situation. Dude, I, we, I, we got to go to general economy because I love talking mm-hmm. economy with you. We had the PPI, the producer price index, out this morning. What did you take from it? Well, this is just going to continue to – It's the pivot isn't here yet. That's my takeaway. Okay. And it's hard to like be so in or out based off of somebody else's decisions. I, I'm as I've you know given the full disclosure here, I don't have a crystal ball on the Fed, but I look at the the they need they're gonna need to break something. And then the debate's gonna have to be do we continue to go? So I was at Thanksgiving and I was talking to a few friends, uh, and they were in the construction industry. And they are still working, and farmers maybe have this too, like they're still working on the 2020, 2022 credit line rate meaning they're, they haven't met the banker yet. Yep. And when they go in to meet the banker here in 2023, their line of credit is going to go from 4% to maybe 8 yep. And that is where I think the Fed is going to hammer the economy. They're going to get in the front markets, like the two-year, watch that. That's at like four and some change. I think the 10-year in the back of the economy, like the economy can't survive with 5% 10-year. It really probably can't. Literally, hmm. just the, too much debt there. But the yeah. short-term markets, yep. what we've seen in this PPI is my long-winded way of saying PPI is telling me we can probably handle higher rates in the two-year in the short run. So if you've got to set rates in the very, very short term, like over the next six months, it might behoove you to do something. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's it's a difficult, difficult strategy to put on, but it, it's paid off for people yeah. who were willing to do it six, you know, a year ago. Okay. All right. What with what's happening with the interest rate increases and the just the the general economy? What does it mean for the ag markets? Well, you you know I don't you know the farmer more than me, and I'm not saying like every farmer, but the general yeah. farmer. Like how much debt do they have? How much willingness and pain do they can they take in the short run? And I think from what I've understood in the short term, the, the farmer is very steady, and they're very strong, and. They've gone through a lot of tough markets over the last decade, whereas a lot of the general economy didn't have to deal with that. Right. So the farmers kind of hardened, and in a way, it's like, you know, forged by a lot of the, the the crap you guys had to deal with between, you know, the trade war, yeah, ASF, you know, yeah. all of the things. I mean, you thought about in 2018, 2019, to into COVID. I mean, it's just, I think, in in the long run here, farmers going to be able to handle it and. You know, my thing Good. is, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a permable, but if you can't price fertilizer, I wouldn't price a whole lot of corn. That's, that's right. probably my advice. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. I like that. John, we're out of time, but man, it's fun to talk with you. Thank Absolutely. you so much for making time for us. Merry Christmas. Have a great, great new year. I look forward to seeing you on the tour this year. All right. Sounds great, John. Thanks, buddy. That is John right. Payne, Hedgepoint Global Markets. Okay. When we come back. I'm going to get to that change in the bean oil uh, balance sheet. We talked about it a little bit at the start of the show. I want to make sure everybody's got a handle on that. We'll do that next when Davis and I come back to wrap up this week's AgriTalk. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. 
Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. Welcome to Agritalk, everybody. Welcome back. Great conversation with John Payne just then. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory joins. Chip, it feels like a Friday, doesn't it? It kind of does, yeah. Kind of does. Um, yeah. You know, I mentioned... Uh, you know, I had a week off. Yeah. But right before I left, uh, we did have that show. I don't like the term Black Friday. You know, the, yeah, the Friday yeah. after Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I talked about the Agritalk Men of Song. They're putting some things together for this holiday yeah. season. And I feel like, to give you an appropriate send-off, I, I thought maybe I would just dig into their Christmas album. Nice. And, and just just throw out a selection. Are you, are you down for that? You know I am. Here come the Agritalk Men of Song. I hear the sleigh bells ringing, there's hoofbeats up above. I left the milk and carrots and drank my nightcap down. It's Christmas time at midnight, and I'm just trying to sleep. But these jingles keep a jangling, can't get to sleep tonight. Now, the guys have worked very hard, very hard on this stuff. Um, and you know what? Here, I think what I might do, just because there are so many now. I mean, we've got several of the AgriTalk players, the usual suspects, sort of weighed right. in when they heard that what the AgriTalk Men of Song were up to, and, and they decided they wanted to be a part of the holiday merriment, too. Cool. Um, you'll be gone all next week, but I'm, I'm just, yeah. I have s- just such a massive volume of material that they wanted me to share with the beloved listeners that uh, I'll be sharing some throughout next week. Maybe I can recap some at some point for you when you when you get back. Yeah. Um, and I think I'll probably start. There's a very special one that they put together for Machinery Pete. Oh. And I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, we'll see how it feels. We'll see how okay. it feels Monday morning. I don't know. Uh, you know, because you kind of got to feel these things out. But I, well, we may just kick it off first thing Monday morning on AgriTalk with Machinery Pete with a little, a little addition uh, well, from the AgriTalk Men of Song. I'm telling you, if I'm someplace where I can have uh, even one earbud in so that I can hear everything else that's going on around me, <laughs> I will be sure to listen in on that. Wow. Looking well, forward to it. And and we do just generally, we do, you know, there's a little holiday nonsense that, that I've got cooked up. but uh, Why not? I'll be at the helm next week. You'll be out for some much-deserved, uh, a week that I know you look forward to every year. Yes, absolutely I do. Uh, wish you the best. Be safe. Um, yep. But but I'll be at the helm, Thank and you. we we've already made some plans for some excellent, very pertinent conversations. And I've been I've been filling my head with ideas that I want to talk to some super smart people about next week. So be sure and tune in. 
Uh, speaking of super smart people, John Payne, mm-hmm. um, his his attention on the soy complex itself, the meal, the oil, yeah, was was notable. Um, I wonder what we've got as far as hard data goes. I did. Maybe you said it, and I didn't hear it. The soy oil balance sheets. Yep. In today's reports, it seems like a good spot that maybe we should go for some hard data. Exactly. Uh, now, what we've got an increase in soybean oil production that has been taking place for the last couple of years, which goes straight back to the crush numbers on soybeans. So, 2020-21 soybean crushed 2.14 billion. 2021-22, 2.2 billion. And this year is expected at 2.245 billion. So, and that number is going to continue to climb. So the bean oil estimate, production estimate, is going to continue to climb along with the soybean meal. So you've got to look at at the biofuel use in particular because of, you know, all the conversation about it over the past week or or ten days. Uh, after the proposed RVOs from the EPA. Now, soybean oil use for biofuel in 2020-21, billion pounds. In 21-22, it jumped up to 10.3 billion pounds. This year, it is expected at 11.6 billion pounds, which is down 200 million pounds from the November estimate. So immediately there was, see, okay, we're talking about a $200 million less because uh, EPA failed to provide the certainty to the bean oil processors and the refiners to turn this stuff into renewable fuel. We're talking about a $200 million pound adjustment on 11.6 billion pounds of total use. It's a slight it just uh, an, uh, a nudge in total use for for biofuel production, but it is to the downside. I get that. I get that. So it's something that obviously we're going to have to watch very closely as, as time goes on. But it, the investment mm-hmm. sent the investment in renewable fuel, in, in renewable diesel, since. The RVOs, the proposed RVOs, hit a week ago, uh, a, a week, uh, yeah, well, eight days ago. The, I'm telling you guys, we've got more investment in the industry today than what we did eight days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not slowing them down. It, it just isn't. And I don't know if it's going to or not, but, hey, um, the, the, the future for the renewable diesel market, Looks brighter and brighter every time this bean oil market trades here lately because that cheap bean oil is uh, going to make cheaper renewable diesel going forward. So it's, it is something it. that we're going to watch. Yep. Okay. This, National yeah, Weather on. Service, Ooh, 6 yeah. to 10 day, real quick. Look like? December uh-huh. 15th through the 19th. We've got below normal temperatures expected over most of the Midwest. We've got above normal precipitation in the northern areas, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, near normal to below normal in the central and eastern Corn Belt. So, yeah, the cold temperatures are coming in. The PNW is the bullseye for the below normal temperatures that December 15th through the 19th period. So that's 
dang, that's right at the end of the week mm-hmm. when I'll be out in the great outdoors taking in yeah. some of that below normal temperature. It's it's good for you, Davis. It's oh, it's good. good. For you. Very, very good for the Constitution. You betcha. Absolutely. Hey, man, you have fun with the show next week. Try to keep it between the lines. If you swerve out, you know, just correct back. Bring it oh, back we'll in. Swerve. Keep it we'll, going. We'll swerve. Swerving is my only setting, my brother. Love it. Be safe, everyone. Have a great week. I'm Chip. This is Agritalk.